0: Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'm on a crusade to help social media creators just like you understand the law and I wanna protect your artistic freedom online. Today, I'm gonna be joined by Neil Schaefer. He has a huge background in social media marketing and online consulting. And we're gonna talk about today the subject how to Hire an Influencer to Market Your Business. By the way, if any time you want to reach me during this podcast, you can email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at Corzine.com. Or you can always hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine.
1: Are you ready? It's live from Los
0: Angeles. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Today, I am very excited to be joined by Neil Schaefer. Thank you, Neil, for joining us on the show. Hey, I'm honored to be here, Ian. I appreciate you being here. I know you're a busy man. We talked a little bit about it before we got on. Uh, So I really believe, uh, or I'm thankful, that you had a few moments to cut out for us today. We always start the podcast with a little story about how you help someone, it could be one of your clients, it could be a personal story. Do you have a story for us about how you brought value, how you help someone?
1: Well, I'm a believer in you know, what we do in life is contributing to the greater good of, yeah. of all of us. Right. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of working with nonprofits or just donating time, which I've done several times uh, in, in the last decade of my career yeah. vis-a-vis my my you know experience around social media marketing, whether it was I went to a, a university called Amherst College, whether it is donating my time to uh, go to the career center and speak with, you know, people applying for jobs to better understand how to leverage social media as part of that job searching process to actually being on a digital marketing committee for the United County, uh, excuse me, the United Way of Orange County here in California to, you know, a, a alumni who graduated and ended up starting her own nonprofit around diabetes. Um, flying up to San Francisco on several occasions and helping her and and train her team on how they can really tell their story Mm -hmm. using social media. So there used to be a nonprofit organization. It still exists called the Social Media Club. And this started back in like 2008. But the whole idea of it was, if you get it, share it. And I'm a big fan of that. And for those of you listening that want to become more influential, um, you know, creating your own personal brand through experience, working with nonprofits is a great way to really get that experience. So I highly recommend it. That's awesome. That's a good way to donate your time
0: and your resources to a nonprofit, and also get something along the way, which is some schooling, some training in social media marketing. Right? Absolutely. You know what, Neil? What What is your background? How did you get started in social media marketing? You mentioned Amherst College, which I believe is in Massachusetts, right?
1: Correct. I'm a I'm a native Southern Californian, but uh, decided to. My father was sort of an intellectual, pushed me to go to a small liberal arts college. So yeah, I went out there, in New England. Uh, After that, I actually launched, I was an Asian studies major, believe it or not. So I speak Japanese and Mandarin Chinese and launched my career in Japan. Wow! So when I came back to the United States, got married, had children, came back here, I was in transition for the first time in the United States even though I was already well into my career. And that's where I started using something called LinkedIn and this is back in 2008. And that really started my journey into (laughs) seeing it as a tool, starting a blog, writing a book and beginning to speak more. And then I guess you could call me a, a B2B content creator. Uh, starting in January, 2010, I, you know, my, my previous background before social media was B2B sales, biz dev marketing in technology in Asia. Yeah. Uh, and that shifted to helping businesses with social and digital marketing starting, you know, more than a decade ago and, and it haven't stopped since. That's awesome.
0: Wow, that's a good nutshell in a quick amount of time. You know, how has your experience knowing Asian languages, like you mentioned, have you done a lot of studying about social media in Asian countries? Do you understand how it works out there?
1: You know, because my my wife is Japanese, and we would go out there every year, you know, take the kids out there, see the grandparents, what have you. I've always had roots there, obviously have friends there as well. So I've always sort of kept my foot in, you know, in Japan, so that as digital and social media marketing evolved there, um, you know, I, I still network there. And in fact, I generate more and more business there. So Japan's actually a, an important part of my business. And now I currently help a lot of Japanese companies in North America with their online digital and social media marketing. So that's definitely helped. China, very different. Um, you know, we're not going to get into politics here, but, <laughs> but it's interesting because China does block American social networks. You cannot access Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, in China, freely. Um, so the only one you can access is actually LinkedIn. Interestingly enough, and for the others, you need to have something that's called a virtual private network. So China has their own social networks. The the entire internet there is one giant firewall. So China's never, you know, even though I have experience and speak the language, I haven't really leveraged that uh, in terms of digital marketing for that reason.
0: You know, I got a, I got two main questions. A lot of things <laughs> popped in my mind. Um, the first one, though, is. I was speaking to an Instagram representative at a conference one time, and basically he told me in a nutshell, or told me in in summary, he says, listen, we just look to China or the Asian countries, and we understand that they're about five years ahead on social media uh, interacting and online presence. Would you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah, um, and it's interesting because when we talk about influencers and influencer marketing, they're way ahead as well. So I think it may be that obviously, as they were growing, they bypassed a lot of the traditional technology, you know, instead of getting a fixed wire phone, they went straight to mobile phone, right? Um, and they become much more mobile phone centric or smartphone centric than we have. Mm-hmm. And really, WeChat, which some of you, if you're not familiar, has been talked about together with TikTok as a as an application might be banned here. Yes. WeChat is, is the most uh, advanced social media out there on the internet. It has everything, you know, anything and everything in every social network is all packed into this one app that includes things like mobile commerce. Um, you know, you, you take your phone and you pay with your phone, just everything, we, we have these elements here, but it's just way advanced because the society supports it as well. So if you were ever looking for a social app for, for ideas or inspiration, um, WeChat is definitely the one. I do believe that Facebook and Instagram and the rest do look at WeChat for ideas to emulate just as, you know, Instagram emulates Snapchat and TikTok.
0: You know, I had a question about, overall, is there a way to characterize Asian social media versus the Western world social media? You know, I've heard that they are much more group centric. So they'll have a certain subject matter, or they'll have a certain club that they belong to. They're much more into private groups, as opposed to maybe more open platform, more public posts that we have here in America or the West. Is that that true? Or is that different?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have the the background and experience there to be able to speak to that. Yeah, um, I mean the idea of groups is, is everywhere, and I think, um, you know, you have to remember the history of. I mean, especially when you look at China, yeah. um, very very limited media outlets uh, in that country, and then all of a sudden you have this explosion with not just the internet but with social media. Of being able to find your, your own people. Yeah. So uh, I think that's led to this huge, you know, in the United States, we had two decades or, or more than a decade of, of the internet and blogging and lots of content out there. And, you know, message boards and different ways of finding people, yeah. which in, in China and in some other parts of Asia, they just didn't have and they just accelerated directly to social media. So you can see how that might impact how they use it in a, in a slightly different way.
0: Okay. Now I have a question of you because you're an OG LinkedIn user. Uh, and I haven't encountered many of those people. I, other than, you know, being a power user, and I noticed that you have like 41,000 followers on LinkedIn. That's unbelievable. Um, a question for you why is linkedin so difficult i mean (laughs) what i asked what i asked that for is that it seems like for people who are looking for jobs and maybe wanted to do some research on someone they're going to do a podcast on or someone they're going to (laughs) meet or something like that it's a good tool but it doesn't seem like there's much engagement i've seen some of the largest names on social media i mean people that have millions of subscribers uh maybe they have you know millions of followers on instagram And then they'll do a post on LinkedIn and they'll have five likes. Uh, Do you have an explanation for where LinkedIn is going?
1: Well, and you know, I've seen content creators the same. I've seen they have, you know, their nano influencers on Instagram. They have like 3,500 followers. I go to YouTube, they have 300 subscribers. So Mm -hmm. I think that at the end of the day, and the content creators listening, hopefully you'll, you'll be nodding if you agree. But you normally start building your influence on one network. You know, it might be YouTube if you're in a video. It might be Instagram if you're more photographic. It might be TikTok if you're into dancing. But normally, <laughs> it's one. And the question is, how do you replicate that influence in other networks? And what what normally happens is, if you have a blog where you don't just have that audience on TikTok, but you have another entity that you own, and you have an email list, it begins easy to translate that following to other networks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it's not a matter of which network you're on. So this is, you know, I started with LinkedIn, but I have like 220,000 Twitter followers. I have like 15,000 Instagram followers. I, I don't really do much video. So I only have a few hundred YouTube subscribers, but the, the influence translates to other networks because you have influence that goes above and beyond one single network. And if you're a TikTok creator, Hopefully yeah. you're listening and taking notes because that's <laughs> going to be really critical because I've seen MySpace come and go. I had 50,000 Google plus followers, right? It, wow. it worth, worth nothing today. Yeah. So LinkedIn is the same thing. It requires you just like when you first started out on in Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, yeah. it takes time to build community just because you're influential somewhere else, especially Instagram, not everybody on Instagram or TikTok are on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, so sure. So you really need to understand that each one of these social networks is its own community and you need to understand how people in that community use it and you need to start doing what you did before. You need to create content for that community, engage with that community. And over time, you can build up a following. I started in 2008, right? Well, I was one of the first million members. I signed up in like 2004. But, you know, in 2008, I started getting really, really active. Yeah. Uh, and I became very much an open networker like we do on, on an Instagram or, you know, Twitter today. Uh, it was very new at the time. But, you know, over time, you can build up following. You can build up influence. And I'll tell you, I work with companies. They find way more engagement on LinkedIn than they do on Facebook today. Like compare wow. a face compare Facebook page engagement with a LinkedIn company page engagement. And on average LinkedIn company pages are actually performing better uh, for a variety of reasons. So, um, the engagements there on LinkedIn, uh, you just gotta go and find it. Okay. Awesome. Well, maybe that'll be our
0: next podcast together because I would love (laughs) for you to help me find it. Um, let's get to the subject matter today. You know, I represent a lot of content creators who are doing really well right now being influencers and so what a lot of my jobs are to go over contracts and give them advice on you know what are the best terms and what will protect them Hmm. a lot of people talk about wanting to be an influencer but we don't often talk about how to get an influencer to market your business and so i did some research and i found there are not a lot of subjects or a lot of discussion about this online and i wanted to bring you on neil to help us learn how to hire an influencer to market our business first of all why would we have an influencer you know represent our business what, what 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 can we expect
1: from doing that great question ian so i i just wrote this book called the age of influence because i found like you there wasn't a lot of subject you know or content around there content surrounding the subject out there on the internet yeah. uh, on itunes what have you so you know w- w- what i've found is that i looked at all the different case studies of you know b- businesses large and small working with influencers. And I found there were 16 or 17 different ways in which companies were working with influencers for a variety of objectives. But I think if you take a step back and we look at some trends. So if, you know, with coronavirus, if companies want to get out there and everybody is digital first, you know, what are people doing when they're online from a marketing perspective? Mm -hmm. So they're either searching for content, in which case we want to appear in Google or YouTube or Instagram hashtags, wherever they search, they're still reading email, believe it or not. So email marketing is is alive and well and and has very good ROI or they're in social media. Now look at the social media piece originally. And you know, I don't know how old some of the creators that are listening to this are, but when Facebook first began, businesses saw incredible results. I think it was smart water was one of these businesses that forward their domain to their Facebook page because it was so viral. Wow. And all the marketers were saying, you know, social media is so viral. You know, so many of our fans see our posts. And then when they like or comment, it goes to friends of fans. And, and that those days are long gone. So for businesses to go viral on social media, it's, it's almost unheard of. For influencers to go viral, it's another story, right? Yeah. So what's happened over time is that social networks need to monetize. And they have become pay to play for businesses. Yes. I think we, can all, exactly. we can all agree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one trend. The other trend is, so as business becomes pay to play, then more and more businesses advertise more, right? That's Facebook right. ads, Instagram ads, what have you. But those are ads. Um, they're seen as ads. That you ad, Ads do not go viral, right? Uh, right. Some people immediately bypass ads that they don't trust them. That's right. Um, and we see more and more of this with the younger generations. The other challenge that businesses have with social media is, is visual, right? This is why probably everybody listening, I'm assuming is somewhat of a visual content creator. Before that we had blogs, we had text, and uh-huh. we still have audio podcasts. But the visual side is a side that businesses never got because businesses approached visual social media like an advertisement. So you can literally go through the feed and, you know, see what was, what content was created by a content creator and what was created by a business because they're just not aligned. They never became part of the community, right? And Mm -hmm. any business could have become an influencer on an Instagram or YouTube, but they lack the ability to because they're not people, right? They see things through a different lens. Uh, They're used to posting photos about their own product. They look like stock photos, whereas everybody listening here understands how to put that product in a, in alignment with a lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. So, because of the challenges of visual social for businesses, especially on Instagram, where you have to be visual, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, text is so important. But Instagram is all visual. YouTube is all video. Those are the, the platforms that really challenge uh, businesses. On the other hand, people do really well. Algorithms favor people over businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And people are better content. Content creators create better content than businesses. You know, period, and that's why content creators are so popular now with businesses. How they want to hire them uh, to create content for them. So when you look at it that way, what I tell people, and when I spoke in Japan recently, I find this a lot in Asia where we were talking about you know the prevalence of of social media there and how far ahead they are. I would talk to small business owners who were not doing social media, and they were asking me about the value of social media and and influence marketing. And I asked them, "How did you get your business?" And everybody said, "We all got it through word of mouth marketing." that's how they became big. Correct. So then after I did my presentation, they realized that they don't even have to do organic social media. They can just work with influencers to incite word of mouth about your brand. Cause if no one is talking about your business and social, you're losing out on, on the number one thing people do online and just organically posting your own content, you're not going to be successful. So today you have to collaborate with other people. Now I, in my book, I sort of redefine influence. Okay. Um, because I think digital influence is a lot broader than just Instagram. There are, you yeah, know, what's op- the name of
0: the, what's the name of the book again?
1: Oh, it's called The Age of Influence. So I recently did a campaign with FedEx on mm-hmm. LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? And that normally blows people's minds. Wait, wait, I thought influencer marketing was just about Instagram. No, yeah. it's about any, we used to have something called blogger outreach, right? Where we we reached out to mommy bloggers in hopes that they post the reviews about our product on their blog. Uh, we have affiliate marketing, which we're tapping into the digital influence of others and commissioning them, you know, if, if they get business. Yeah. Uh, podcasters, you know, my publisher, who's Collins, who's one of the biggest publishers in the world, said that I should be, instead of reaching out to traditional media, to reach out to podcasters and bloggers in hopes that they'll talk about my book. So mm-hmm. digital influence is everywhere. And I do believe, obviously, the content creators that in the visual realm, photos, videos, stories, you know, TikTok, yes. they're at the top because yes. that requires the most time, the most creativity, right? Um, uh, but it, it really is a lot broader than that. And therefore, if you want to get the word out about your business, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But it starts with, you know, everything I talked about, realizing, yeah, how am I going to get any traction in social media? You're really not unless you work with other people that already are speaking to the community you want to tap into. So that's that's the first thing in understanding why you'd want to work with influencers. So, you know, uh-huh. I, I consider influencer marketing equals organic social media marketing, right? You uh-huh. can you can send money to Zuckerberg and, and do your ads. Or you can use that money and invest in people, invest in collaborations, invest in long-term relationships.
0: I think that is so smart. And I think that you just articulated it so well. That is kind of maybe the panacea, the, the the cure for what we're seeing a lot. And in this generation, you know, Gen Z and millennial, a lot of distrust for online content in general, yeah. let alone if it says sponsored by. I mean, it's just like you said, it's just a click. You know, uh, flip, you know, push a button and move on. It reminds me of you know, what we do in, in reflexively do on YouTube when you see an ad that comes up before a video. I mean, it's reflexive. I mean, I, I don't even Immediately think Immediately yeah. skip,
1: skip, 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 <laughs> right? I
0: don't even think you see the images because you're, it's, so, it's so involuntary. So I really do agree. And then the other part I also agree with, and I think you touched upon this, is the, is, is the micro-influencer in, having so much engagement. The ratio for engagement is amazing. You talk about Seth Godin and he talks about you just need, you know, a small amount of people, but they need to be engaged. You know, you could be a very successful influencer. I have a thousand subscribers on YouTube, but if you have
1: 900 watching every one of your videos, uh, that's amazing, right? Yeah. So it's funny because the, the way the influencer marketing industry works is they obviously categorize influencers. First of all, it's very Instagram centric and they categorize influencers by number of followers. So, the more followers, the better. But what's happened is there's only so many people that have a lot of followers, and they become very expensive over time for brands. And there's also the question of fraudulent activity, right mm-hmm. we We know that there's influencer fraud. Any content creator probably knows someone that's that's used a bot or what have you. so there's oh. there's there's fake followers, there's Instagram pods which lead to fake engagement. Uh, and these are things that obviously brands want to avoid because it, it defeats the whole purpose. So when we go smaller, it began with micro-influencers because it opens up the pool to more people mm-hmm. and they tend to be more authentic, more engaged because they haven't done those things. But then when we get one step below that, to nano-influencers having between one and 10,000 followers. There's even less of a chance. That they went out of the way to buy fake followers and we find just the smaller the number of followers in general the way the algorithm works yeah. it seems to be that they're most engaged you know when you get to a celebrity status you look at charlie on tiktok she's talking about anything and everything now right yeah. but the people below that that aren't at the celebrity status are still pretty focused on niches focused on certain topics they're not like right. doing anything and everything for every brand that reaches out to them and that's probably why they get so much more engagement uh on their profile so yes smaller in many ways uh i saw a report from social bakers that i blogged about maybe we could put a link in the show notes but i would love to yeah after COVID 19 there's been even a bigger shift down to the nano influence what brands are really looking for today are actual users Mm -hmm. so i tell influence if there's a brand you want to work with post a photo you know it's almost like an advertisement for yourself post a photo of you actually using their product and tag them and then send them a dm I mean, this, these are just easy things you can do to get on the radars of brands, but more and more, they don't want to work with people they don't know, or that don't know them. They want to work with people that are already their fans. Because when you get to that nano influencer level of a thousand followers, there's a lot more people you can work with. And it's easier, especially the, the more, you know, the bigger the consumer brand yeah. to actually find people that, that like, know, and trust them. And that's sort of what I talk about in my book is, is shifting to building up more an, an army of influencers through through more and more brand ambassadors, really, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Amazing. I absolutely love it. And I think that, you know, there's so many areas we can go. I'd love to talk to you more about being an influencer, because I do think there's a delicate balancing lineup for how many different products or services you can rep for. Uh, because again we're, we're we're you know we're just we're a very distrustful time period, and so if you're just over if you're not a celebrity, if you're just over the edge on some of these things, you're just going to get shut down. people are are not going to engage, and they're not going to engage in the future. It's kind of like when I was a lawyer, you know it's all your reputation precedes you um, and so if you do something that's a little bit underhanded with one judge, guess what? All the other judges are going to know about it, so it's kind of a similar analogy yeah,
1: and that's why. I think the good thing for content creators listening is there's also been a shift over the last year or two to looking at influencers. When we get to the nano level, the, the content amplification is still important, but it's not as important. What becomes more important is the content itself. So I'm sure Ian, you've been involved in more and more contracts where the brands really want to get licensed rights to the content. They Correct. want to use the content in their organic social media. They want to use it on their website. They want to use it in their, in their advertising. And that to me, is even a bigger value than merely, hey, influencers share this content. And this is what I preach to companies because content is the heart. Everything I talked about of what we have to do in, in digital and social media, it all comes down to content. Nice. And therefore every influencer is a content creator. That's sort of the definition of, uh, of an influencer. So tap tapping influencers, not necessarily for their following, but for their, their content creation. And I, I think that content creators still have a bright future. Uh, And I think we're going to see a lot more businesses tap into more content creators, basically outsource their content creation to content creators, to influencers. We're definitely going to see more of that.
0: I'm a a newbie here, but let me just kind of see if I can understand it. So a good example might be Canon cameras will commission this. There's a famous YouTuber named Peter McKinnon Mm -hmm. to go out and take shots and to, you know, to film his photography, how he's doing it. He doesn't sell Canon. He's not going, I would like you to buy a Canon camera. He's just using it. And making these beautiful shots and then they incorporate that footage on their Canon website so there's no the the influencers not doing anything to sell quote-unquote he's just or she's just doing what what they're supposed to do with that product but by the very association and wanting to be like Peter McKinnon you you might want to
1: buy a Canon camera is that correct oh exactly and and hopefully that he also is has his own way of generating revenue. I mean, he might just be a pure content creator, right? You have like photographers that work for National Geographic and that that mm-hmm. was how they made money, right? So yeah, maybe yeah. he just but maybe he also has, he sells his own course of or he has his own membership site for photographers, right? So yes. in that case, you could work with a canon, you could work with a Nikon, you could work with lots of different companies because you're purely educating people. And from you know the Canon perspective, mm-hmm. they cannot do that same sort of video that he can do. They're not a person, they're a brand. They're always yeah. gonna be thinking about how do we showcase all the different features? And yeah. some of the features don't matter to people, right? And so I don't trust why. them, right? Yeah, I don't trust them. Too. Yeah. And it's not, here's the thing, it's not re- relatability. It's just not relatable, right? And we relate to people like us. That's why after, with coronavirus, we see a lot of photography that used to be popular on Instagram isn't as popular because it's not real. We can't do those things today. We can't travel to an exotic location. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's why you see celebrities in their pajamas, just like live streaming. And we never had that. So the real and relatable is really key. And just businesses, are they're not humans. They, they can't do that. And, they, and that's why they're smart to leverage people to do it for them. And that's why, you know, I, I talk about in my book, if you were to reverse engineer everything I talked about, you can see how content creators can become more influential. And if you're a content creator, that's a small business owner, you can see how tapping into, and and I recommend, you know, tapping into nano influencers, many of whom, if you find the right people, they don't even, it's not even a monetary transaction. It's normally just for for product or service. Mm -hmm. And really through that, make friends, source content, and really have a a 100% UGC channel on Instagram would be my way to go. I mean, if you're a content creator, you can probably create great content for your products, but sure, you sure. Know, I, I, I'm giving webinars now where I'm telling brands, you know, influencers should be part of all of your content. You can either hundred percent UGC or co-collaboration or what have you, but you don't have to spend all this money trying to figure out how to create content that's going to resonate with your audience. When there's so many content creators that are already doing that, that can help you and accelerate that and do it better than you can. All
0: right, Neil, you sold me and I think you've sold us no more Facebook ads, but now we want to do influencer marketing. So how do we do it? Where do we start? We're a small business. And let's say we are a plumbing business in uh, the Southern California area. I want to use influencers to get the word out that I do a great job in my plumbing services. Where the heck do I go?
1: Beautiful. So I think that if you're a small business owner, let's take a step back. Let's take social media out of the picture. Where would you get leads? So I work with real estate agents, I work with insurance salespeople, Mm -hmm. and they talk about like centers of influence or spheres of influence, right? Where would a plumber normally get leads? So you have like home restoration services maybe, um, realtors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. So there's two different ways of looking at influence. One is, you know, outside of social media, outside of digital media, who are the influencers in my community? And probably those people are influencers. So of those people or businesses, how many of them are really active on social media? And if you can find those people, those are the ones that I would say, hey, you know, we're a plumber, we're really active, um, we'd love to collaborate with you, right? maybe it's a shout out for a shout out. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a realtor going, Hey, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I live in a community where they have plumbing issues. Maybe you can create content throughout this issue because I'd love to post it on, on my blog because it's going to help a lot of, a lot of my, you know, customers. Yes. I mean, I don't know what that relationship is going to look like the plumber one obviously challenges me here, but um, <laughs> well,
0: that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, But you get the idea you, you tap into these other people, but yeah. you also, want to become friends with influencers in your community, you know, look for, uh, people that use the hashtag of your city, look at people that check in at different locations, try to find those nano micro influencers that live in your area, Southern California. Obviously we have a lot of them Mm -hmm. and, you know, go through and see who, who you might be able to align yourself with. Okay. So it comes down to give and take, right? If you're a plumber, what can you give them? It's like, Hey, if you ever, you know, if, if you ever need any plumbing issues, you know, I'm going to help you out. I could really use your help in that we're trying to, you know, we're trying to create a new Instagram channel. We're looking to source content. You know, we have a lot of ideas. Is there any way we we could work together? Mm -hmm. So the given takes the hard part Mm -hmm. and just the the collaboration of just, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, we'd love to work with you. Probably it's gonna be either content centric or somehow you want them to share your content. But I I believe an easier way to start is for that content. Um, You know, you're gonna need content for your own site. And as you get going, and as relationships get going, and as you become hopefully your channel becomes more influential, mm-hmm. it becomes easier to work with other people. Now, this is just Instagram. I mean, obviously, this goes over to Facebook. This goes over to blog. So, uh, looking at it from an Instagram perspective, that would be my approach. And mm-hmm. once again, do we invest in ads, or do we start working and becoming friends That's with it. these offline influencers that are active in social, as well as you know influencers amongst our community where we can develop relationships where hopefully over time number 1 we're going to get great content for our own channel to begin that process of of building up our own influence mm-hmm. but number 2 over time these people will hopefully both online and offline talk more and more about our company
0: mm-hmm. okay so as i understand it basically if you were this plumbing business in southern california um what you would do is you probably tap on existing resources that are active on social media or online marketing, right? So if you have a couple of real estate agents that really just love what you do and you see them on on uh, online, you might say, "Hey, listen, I would love to engage you guys to be able to help me, you know, promote this business and then you would figure out what that trade is, whether it be services
1: for plumbing or whether it be cash, right?" Exactly. And it's, it it doesn't have to be cash. This is the thing that as a small business owner, you have IP. Maybe you know, they want to be hooked up with the best real estate agent in in the county and they're having, you know, they, they trust you to Mm -hmm. help make that introduction. Right. There's a lot of, you know, maybe they want to get some custom hardware from Kohler for some, you know, she shed that they're decking up. I, who knows. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, what I find, what a lot of brands make the mistake is they say, Hey, we'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. And maybe I don't want the gift card. Maybe I think $25 isn't worth my time. And you end up offending and and you're offending influencers, right? The the people you don't want to offend. So you really need to understand that you don't know what they want until you have that conversation. It is a sale. You're Mm -hmm. trying to convert them into becoming somewhat of a brand advocate. It's going to be temporary, but hopefully long-term. So until you have that conversation, but before you have that conversation, have some ideas of what the ask is going to be and also understand what are the different things that you can offer them. Maybe every summer you host a big, barbecue party at the beach. I mean, I don't know that you invite your customers to, you can invite yeah. them to, right? Yeah. And I also want to say the plumber should also be looking into his or her customers, right? Okay. Okay. And maybe some of these customers happen to be influencers. I see. We don't know, right? So, you know, and as you start growing, look at your followers. Maybe you have some nano micro influencers among your followers. Yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of different things, but I think, you know, get taking a step back, you know, what's going to be the digital strategy for the plumber? Is Instagram the right channel for them? Should they be, you know, blowing it up with YouTube videos or Facebook? Is is blog going to be a big thing? Right. Mm -hmm. And then what about the importance of Yelp reviews? Is there some way where, you know, you, you can't compensate for Yelp reviews, but you could provide service to people that write a lot of Yelp reviews. It's like me going on Amazon and looking for people that write reviews of similar books to mine and reaching out to them. That is something that I would definitely recommend a plumber do as if you can find these people, some people use the real name, some people don't. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, inf- I, I like to say social media replaces nothing yet complements everything. And I'd say the same thing about influencer marketing. It, yeah. it, it doesn't, you're not gonna like, okay, we're just gonna put all of our eggs in one basket. Yeah. It is an important component, but it's part of everything else you do. And yeah, I hope that it, that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. And also, it's just an extension of what we've been doing for a long time. I mean, exactly. a lot of these strategies, these new strategies are really what we used to do back in the 80s or the 90s. We would reach out to our our best customers. Can you be an advocate? Can you give us a testimonial for a flyer that we send out? Yeah. Uh, can, you know, can I do something for you, real estate agent, so that maybe you'll like me more uh, or, or you know, advocate for me out there and refer me to all the clients you get? So, I really like that understanding. Which it makes sense to me because it's been working for a long time in marketing in general.
1: Now we have speed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, relationship marketing, referral marketing, there's a lot of concepts. I I don't believe this is anything new. The, The tools are new and it's more digital and fewer businesses fewer we are business owners get it so it, it gives a lot of opportunity for for those that understand that but yeah because you know what the one similarity the one thing that's constant over the past few decades no matter how much the internet and social media change is people people are still people people are emotional yep. people have good days people have bad days yep. people have needs we don't know those needs until we actually reach out to them right yep. and that's really the, the the central focus here but when you have a digital first mentality about this you begin to see things differently. You begin to see your digital presence differently as a small business owner. And you begin to see the people around you as being more and more influential once you understand, you know, these concepts and, and, oh, okay. You know, this person only has a thousand followers. Who are they? I don't care. And now it's like every day I'm looking at who my new followers are. Is, is there potentially a nano influencer that started oh, following me for whatever reason? Right. Yeah. And then it's, it's time for excitement to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put them in the, in the collaboration funnel and figure out a way to, you know, to bring them into my family uh, uh-huh. of, of partners and people that I work with.
0: I like that, I like that a lot. That's, that's really, really solid advice, stuff I haven't heard before. Neil, where can my listeners and the creators out there that I serve, where can they g- get more of you? Because I think you could probably go on for three hours with
1: great <laughs> advice for us all. What are your links? Sure, so I am, well, my name is Neil Schaefer. it's The Real Neil, N-E-A-L. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of Schaefer's out there in sales and marketing. So mine is spelled S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. You can thank Ellis Island for the spelling. (laughs) Um, So it's neilschafer.com. It's Neil Schaefer everywhere in social media. Uh, The name of my new book is called The Age of Influence. It just came out in March of 2020. So I I wrote the book on influencer marketing. I thought didn't exist as we began this podcast with. So hopefully you find value in that. And I also have my own podcast where I talk about this concept of digital influence. It's called the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast.
0: And where can they listen to the podcast?
1: Oh, everywhere. Um, the same app that you're doing using the, uh, that you're using to listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, iTunes and Spotify and the whole the whole thing, bit.
1: Huh? IHeartRadio and hopefully right. I'll be on Pandora soon. That's the f- and, and Amazon. I already uh, Amazon Music. I just requested the other day. So
0: awesome. Well, Neil, thank you so much. We are all going to read the Age of Influence. I'm going to read it again. I think it's just such so- solid advice. Um, and I think that it's something that people aren't talking about, you know, that everyone's rushing to do more Facebook ads to, to, to spend more money on there, just a kind of a shotgun approach. Like we used to do, like, you know, we would do ads in newspapers and newspapers and direct mail and that kind of stuff. And I think you're right. I think that the one differential factor between those ads and influencer marketing is the trust factor. And I think for a
1: little bit, you can get a whole lot more results. So I'm, I'm very excited with this. Yeah. And, and Ian, I just want to tell the content creators out there, there's, you know, I've, I've spoken, I've been on a lot of podcasts lately because I, I came out with this new book, right? So I'm sort of on a podcast tour. And when mm-hmm. I talk to people, especially like Australia, mm-hmm. United Kingdom, in many countries, the word influencer, people literally, they say they cringe at the word, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they think it's just these mega celebrities. It's just Instagram. Yeah. Where do they get their followers? So um, I think that's changing over time. After I discuss, like I did today with Ian about influence marketing, they get it, but there's still some knee-jerk reaction that, that you know influencers are phony, what have you. Yeah. So you, you're still gonna have to fight that as a content creator when you're looking for new business. But I do believe if you portray influencer marketing the way I have, in fact, if you were to send potential clients a copy of the Age of Influence, hopefully they'd buy into the fact that you know, that, that influence is a lot broader than people think. And I, like I said, I, I really think it is the only way forward for businesses and organic social media. So hopefully that helps you both on a small business owner end, as well as the content creator end.
0: Well, Neil, I agree with you. And thanks again for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Anne. I hope you guys all got some value of today's talk. By the way, as a reminder, go to iancorzine.com to get all the answers you need to your social media law questions. Please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Music, I can skyrocket up the charts. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you all next week.